0: state your team your show this is sports nightly fourth and a half yard at the six of colorado now it's going to be an empty set snap back adrian's going to run off the right side he's in there for a first down he's in there for a touchdown nebraska takes the lead back here at Field. now let's check the pulse of husker nation with your hosts greg sharp and ben mclaughlin on a hot Tuesday night. Goodness gracious. I know Lincoln set a new high for April the 7th of 87 degrees today. But old man winter's not quite done yet. I saw the forecast for early next week. Highs in the low 40s. Yeesh. Don't put away that heavy jacket quite yet. We're not quite ready to throw those in the closet. We're glad you're with us here tonight. Thank you so much for choosing us to spend part of your Tuesday evening with us. Coming up here a little bit later on in the hour, we're going to hear from Kent Pavelka. Going to catch up with KP, see what he's been up to. I know they've come up with some creative things for people to send in some homemade basketball videos and let Kent put voice to those. That'll be a lot of fun. So we'll hear all about that from KP coming up later on in the hour. Well, Ben, we uh, saw some things earlier today that even though we're still not certain about the status of the college football season in the fall, that has not stopped the folks in Vegas from putting out some over-unders for teams looking ahead of the twenty. 20- 20 college football season and usually i'll see nebraska's number and I, I usually either think it's way too high or way too low gotta say as they put it at six and a half wins for nebraska that's about right in my eyes what do you think yeah, I think six and a half is probably
1: uh, right there. Um, my dog seems to suggest that six and a half is is maybe too high, but <laughs> I, I feel like uh, you know whenever Nebraska's total comes out, there there is always some type of feedback. Right? Is it is it too high? Is it too low? There there never seems to be that middle ground and. Um, you know, people love to, uh, to to come out and suggest, <laughs> you know, the, proclaim however Nebraska's season's going to go whenever these things come out every year. And unfortunately, um, you know, for Nebraska, the, the trends have been down the last few years. And I think those numbers have certainly indicated that. I think last year a lot of people looked at that total, and I think it was inflated to some degree because – I mean, everybody kind of expected that big step forward and the forgiveness in Nebraska's schedule. Unfortunately, uh, things didn't happen that way. And I think maybe with some perspective, not just for Husker fans, but you know the odds makers as well, that that perhaps maybe Nebraska, you know, isn't quite uh, where where they thought they would be, or maybe quite where everyone expected them to be so early. So I, I'm not surprised at all that that they took a step back in that regard. And I think. You know that that home stretch, those last six games for Nebraska on the schedule this year, uh, all back to back to back to back to back, are really going to be the the make or break when it comes to that number.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And I hey, I know there's other sports books out there as well. I'm I'm quoting what came out of Caesars today. I did see another book that had Nebraska at seven and a half. Uh, That seems a little on the high side to me. But six and a half is Caesars. And here's where. Here's where they have the rest of the Big Ten West. They have Wisconsin at nine and a half, and so by that measure, they believe Wisconsin's probably the team to beat in the West, and you won't get any argument from me on that. I think the Badgers have been, for the last five, six years, the cream of the Big Ten West. I know they haven't won it every year. Northwestern won it two years ago. Iowa won it four four years ago. But year in and year out, it's been the Badgers who've been the the, the the top dog in the the Big Ten West. They have Minnesota at nine. Now the Gophers are coming off of an eleven win season, including an Outback Bowl victory over Auburn. Uh, they had a magical run that undefeated season until late in the year when they dropped their last couple of games. To me, that seems still a little high, and I don't have. I've not really studied Minnesota's schedule to a certain degree, but. It's easy to pop up one year. You kind of sneak up on some people. And if you think back to the year they had been, they had a lot of games where they pulled it out in the last couple of minutes. You tip your cap to them. That's great. Fantastic. They won those games early in the season, where they scored on their last drive of the game, or they prevented a team from scoring on the last drive of the game to win. They won all those, but sometimes – The odds will even out on that, and they'll drop a couple of those games. To me, Minnesota at nine seems to be on the high side. Yeah, and then you look
1: at their crossover games too, Greg. They got Michigan at home, at Michigan State, and at Maryland. So two of those three games aren't layups. Um, And then I think Maryland's going to be quite a bit better. I I, I would expect them to be in that same conversation of Minnesota, but um, I think those two games, Michigan and Michigan State, with Wolverines at home and – and Sparty on the road um, it's not necessarily a layup by any stretch and I think I think to a certain extent uh, and granted Minnesota's done it at a, at a much larger scale than Nebraska did but I think uh, you know the same for the same reasons why everyone kind of put Nebraska's win total so high last year is perhaps why they're putting Minnesota's win total so high this year is they're just they're, they're Forecasting that big jump when maybe the schedule doesn't uh, coincide with that. I think they're just you know taking a look at at their that their recent work and kind of the tra- trajectory of that program and and kind of forecasting where it's going to be. Uh, you know the big Big Ten West games. Obviously Iowa is a home game, but you go to Wisconsin, uh, you go to Illinois, and then you go to Nebraska. So those are three pretty pretty tough games. And you know Illinois anymore you. you you kind, of, you kind of at least have a half eye on, on sure. what's going on in Champaign because of what they were able to do last year. Um, and I, I've said this a lot, and we talked about it a ton last year. I don't know that we appreciated um, that win in Champaign that Nebraska was able to get when it happened be, just because of who they are and where they've been. But, uh, I mean, ask Wisconsin and ask a lot of other schools how, how tough Illinois was to play that's a team that i don't know it's going to be a contender ever but i think they're they're a team that if they continue this this direction upward where you at least got to take them seriously so i understand where it's coming from obviously you beat auburn in a bowl game there's all kinds of momentum right now row the boat all that stuff um i understand where where the excitement is coming
0: from but i I need i need another year of pj fleck to do it for me to really be a believer Totally agree, and they lost a couple of big-time weapons. Tyler Johnson was a senior wide receiver who was a terrific player. They have a couple of other good wide receivers back. Rodney Smith, running back, outstanding career. He has finally graduated. And Antonio Winfield, a terrific safety for them who made a play after play after play. He left early for the NFL. So they've got some big shoes they've got to fill off that squad. Here's the way the rest of the Big Ten West looks. You have Wisconsin at nine and a half. Minnesota at 9, Iowa's at 7, and then Nebraska at that 6.5 comes in right after them. Then it's Northwestern at 5.5, so just shy of being bowl eligible. Purdue at 5, same thing, a win shy of being bowl eligible. And Nebraska's opening opponent for the year in early September when the Bullmakers come to Memorial Stadium. And then Illinois at 5, so Illinois 5, Purdue 5, Northwestern 5.5. That's the bottom three in the Big Ten West. That means, on the, according to the Vegas odds, if they land on that number, they're not going to be in the bowl game. So that's where they've got that. Look at the east. Ohio State's the creme de la creme there at 11. Penn State's at 9.5. Michigan is at 9 for them. Uh, Indiana at 7.5. So they're buying Indiana and Coach Allen and what they're doing. I did take a peek at their non-conference schedule. Probably going to go 3-0 and there. But that means that they pick up four, maybe five, League wins for them to get above the seven-and-a-half mark, so a lot of respect shown to Indiana. Michigan State under a first-year head coach in Mel Tucker, Ben, four-and-a-half for Sparty uh, looking at the 2020 season, and then Rutgers at two-and-a-half, Maryland at just three-and-a-half. So a wide gap after you pass Indiana, but really high in Indiana, not so much on the Spartans. Yeah, the interesting Interesting one to me is
1: Penn State. To see them at nine and a half, that that seems really low to me. And I even saw a projected poll, a way-too-early poll for next year, that has Penn State sixth. So you've got a potentially a preseason top ten team, according to whatever poll it was that I was looking at, uh, projected for nine and a half wins. I mean, I – Again, I I don't know where where it comes from. Is it is it have to do with the way that Penn State finished the year last year, and they're getting a, a bull win uh, over a Memphis team, and you know playing playing good football down the stretch, uh, but obviously they they've got to replace a healthy amount as well, and you know to try and project the the nine and a half win total seems seems interesting considering a top six ranking so. I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that it's fun to be be able to talk about uh, this type of stuff as if college football is, is going to happen. I think we're, we're all hoping for that. We're hoping every team that we're talking about gets the opportunity to match that win total. But, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm i thinking about just how some of these things are going to go down with, um, with the numbers and the schedules and, you know, obviously the, the early declarations that you were talking about too – uh, Antoine Winfield from Minnesota and you know some of these others, how, how they're going to affect these teams moving forward.
0: Well, one guy who's pretty optimistic that we're going to get college football back is Mike Gundy. I know he's one of your favorite coaches, Ben, the mullet at Oklahoma State. He had a press gathering today, and uh, he's pretty adamant about getting things cranked back up in Stillwater beginning May the 1st he said quote we have to have a plan the plan right now is for them to start back on may 1st it might get backed up two weeks i don't know i can't make that call but if it does we'll start with the employees of this company the ones that come into this building day in and day out then we'll bring the players in and slowly but surely we'll get them all tested and then get ready to go um he just said you know certainly we're dealing with 18 19 20 21 22 year olds that are healthy." And the so-called medical people are saying that the herd of healthy people that have the antibodies may be built up and can come fight this. We all need to go back to work. I'm not taking away from the danger of people getting sick. You have the virus. Stay healthy. Try to do what we can to help people that are sick. And we're losing lives, which is just terrible. The second part of that is that we still have have to schedule and continue to move forward as life goes on and then help those people out as well. So some pretty strong comments. Gundy's getting lit up pretty much across the country for these comments. I don't know that I think he's necessarily wrong. I think maybe throwing a, a date out there probably is what's getting him. But I think eventually he's right. We do have to kind of get back to going again. What's the right date? I don't know that. And he's probably getting lit up mostly because he threw through May the 1st out there today. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I completely get where he's coming from. And,
1: and I don't really have... A huge problem with his comments. I know there's a lot of people that have been affected by the situation more than I and, and probably have more of a right or reason to be upset with it. but I, I think what his point was is you know if we just start canceling stuff and you know I guess I guess my, my thought process is this if, if he's throwing a date out there thinking of the mindset that, that you can always back it up or delay it even more. Um, I mean that that was the big thought with with the baseball seasons. Greg is okay. Can, can we at least can we do we have to announce that we're canceling the whole thing, or can we put it on hold for a while? And I think eventually we would have come to the clu- conclusion that it needed to be canceled altogether. And, and I think that 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 was the right decision, and it's the decision that would have been made eventually. But. I kind of think that's the angle that, that Coach Gundy's going for here based on the context of his comments. You know, thinking, okay, if we just decide to just bang this thing or, or make a drastic decision for, for something that's going to be affected in quite a bit of time from now, there's no probably no going back on that. Um, you know, if some type of decision was made to say, okay, well, we're not going to start until November, we're not going to start till the first of the year, we're going to make it a spring season or whatever, and then come to find out, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe at, in the middle, early of July, this thing does go away. And, uh, you know, that now you got to reassess things and, and come back backwards. I don't know that that works. It, to me, it's easier to, to delay, 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 as, as it would be to, to make a big decision and then have things suddenly get better. Because, again, none of us know how this is going to stop or if it if it will or when it will. But if, it, if it's an abrupt stop and you've already made a big decision, it makes it awfully hard to, to – backtrack, and then uh, and then implement a, a, another earlier start than, than suggested. So I think that's probably the angle he was going for. for. I think it's bold to, to throw those, those times out that he did and, and to really be the one of the first public uh, head coaches to do this, especially when so many people around the country are suffering from this or have been affected by this.
0: But I understand the angle in which he was going. Yeah, he's, he is getting kind of lit around the country. So if you have some thoughts about that, we can dive into that here tonight on the program. When we come back, Ben's going to sit down with Kent Pavelka, get his thoughts about Husker basketball, and also a fun little project that both Husker Sports and Husker Athletics has put out involving KP. We'll dive into that coming up next.
1: Sports Nightly Tuesday Night Edition just off and underway. Appreciate everybody spending part of your Tuesday night here with us here this evening. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed the weather as much as they could today. And we welcome on the first guest of the night, good friend of our show, good friend of ours, Kent Pavelka, the voice of Husker Hoops. KP, it's been a while, man. What, what are you doing to pass the time? Doing all right?
2: It's amazing. I don't know, you know, but I'm busy. I, I think it's really been kind of an interesting thing, hasn't it? I mean, you, you know, your world, everybody's world just kind of shuts down to a great extent, anyway, and sometimes entirely. Um, and I don't know, I think you learn a lot about yourself and you get a gain of perspective on life in the world. I don't mean to get, you know, philosophical or anything, but I think, and notwithstanding the tragedy of it all, it's been a, probably there've been some positives to this. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I think obviously everyone, uh, spending time with family and, um, you know, just, to me that you really find out what's important to you you know to to kind of piggyback what you said you find out what's important to you as a person because that's what you find yourself doing in your downtime you know and i think that's you know it's important to gain a little perspective and i think that's at the very least something we've all gained through all of this and you know not having sports is something that that i'll never take for granted again you know and to to watch a, a mariners versus angels game uh, or you know, watch the the Mets play the Phillies is not something that I, would, I ever thought I'd miss, but yet here I am and not having golf. And I guess just what's it been like for you to not have the NCAA tournament and not have you know sports as we know it.
2: Well, I mean, it was like hitting a, a brick wall at 100 miles an hour. You know, the 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 pace of the basketball broadcast season you know, comes to a screeching halt as it inevitably always does, but the way that it came to a halt for us. And then on top of that, you know, so you're kind of prepared for, you know, my routine is things change dramatically once that's done. And then, but then they had to have everything else shut down at the same time. Um, it's been, you know, just a mega dose of the, of it. And, um, you know, I've I've heard got people that are retired talk about how, you know, they can't believe how busy they are. You know, they're more they're busier than they were when they were working. And I kind of get it now. You know, because we all will uh, keep our minds going a thousand miles an hour upon waking until we go to bed, and you know, so you you fill it with something. You know, your head, and and, and you find things to do. Um, I just think it's kind of harkens back to maybe what it was like a hundred years ago. You know, it, it, uh, you, you, uh, you slow down and well, I, we've talked, talked it through here, but I, I, um, I'm not so sure people will not be, have benefited greatly from this if, you know, once it's all said and done.
1: Yeah. I wasn't going to go here, but you kind of mentioned it, the, the end of the basketball season. I don't think we've talked to you since then. What was that that day like uh, in Indianapolis, calling a game, but then more so the circus afterwards, you know, being quarantined and not knowing if you guys were going to fly home and who you could be around and finding out about Coach Hoiberg. What do you remember about that night?
2: Oh, man, it was unbelievable. I mean, you know, there was buzz about the virus even before that, the tournament. But, um, that morning at breakfast, um, I can't remember the specifics, but there were some things that were happening, and some of us were saying, "Gee, I wonder if you know, I wonder if the tournaments will, will get you will get through the tournaments and whatnot." But then, you know, about two in the afternoon, I'm in Coach Hoiberg's suite recording our pregame show, and he said, "Man, I don't feel good. I didn't sleep last night." He says, "I don't think it's this, but the virus thing. I think I've got the flu or something." And so. Two hours later, we're at the pregame meal, and and he, uh, he, he he's sitting there at, at the table with a thermometer in his mouth. RJ brought a thermometer. And so then, you know, the game starts, and we get the tweets about the NBA issues that unfolded that night. And uh, uh, I mean, it was surreal even then. And then not to mention when when Sheamus at night escorted Coach out the... Out the tunnel, um, you know, that's when and because, you know, we knew that the virus is getting around even more over the last six hours nationwide in the NBA and whatnot. Uh, it was funny. Jake and I were uh, we're talking, you know, after the game they had the team sequestered, isolated in the locker room. And we, I said to him, you know, if they're really thinking about this, they ought to have us in there too. We've been around them just as much mm-hmm. as anybody else, you know, but they, they, they didn't think about us. So we walked back to the hotel and uh, we were going to meet downstairs and go get something to eat. I went down to the lobby and the front desk manager says, what do you need? I was Oh, I need. I said, Nothing. I'm meeting the guy down here. He said, and all of a sudden eight cops come walking toward me. You need to go to your room. <laughs> I
3: said,
2: What's going on? And he you need to go to your room. So I we went to my room and called Jake. I said, I'll come down to your room and I tried to do that and the elevators were locked. I mean, it was like uh, you know, and it just blew up that night over that that was four hours after the game, uh, as far as nobody knowing what was going on and the fear factor. Um so yeah, so you come home after that the next day and and uh here we are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here we are a month later.
1: That seems like a year later, doesn't it? I mean, that seems like so long ago that 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 was the case because the next day we were supposed to jump in a car and and head to Wichita for baseball and we made it to York before we turned around. That's when all the news started coming out that everything was canceled and then uh, conferences were suspending all spring sports. It was literally – literally every time you refreshed your Twitter feed, there was another conference banging something. And, yeah. you know, we had no idea what was really going on. So just a, it's a it was a a period of 48 hours that I'll never forget. And, and you, I, c- I can only imagine, you know, one night you're watching Noah Vedrill and Brant Banks run a pick and roll, and then the next <laughs> night, <laughs> the, the next night, there's no NCAA tournament. It's just, yeah. it's a, uh, it's a crazy time for sure. Um, and, and the parts are still moving for Husker Hoops as we've got some more departures yeah. to talk about with with Cam and Deshawn, um, but still a lot of momentum as you pick up the the Pitt transfer and McGowan's. And I continue to be amazed with the job that Coach Abdul Massey KP has done, of you know, keeping the revolving door as opposed to it being a one-way door out. It's a revolving door with players coming in. I guess what's your perspective on on the shape of the roster in the last
2: 10 days? Well, i you know, uh, people are going to hear the same thing out of me every year. But, I mean, I really mean it. I think they're, they're really, really talented. And uh, so much so that, um, you know, if waivers go through and – guys get eligible and don't have to sit um it's probably too deep in terms of keeping everybody happy you know uh, but that's a good problem and i don't think it's this is just a nebraska thing i mean if you're paying attention the the this transfer transfer portal thing has just become insane in the last uh, this 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 offseason it's you know started last year we i thought it was pretty interesting but um so um, I, I look at it and I really, really like it. You know, we don't know, uh, two or three guys, whether they're going to be eligible to play this, this winter, but, um, even without their, their eligibility, uh, I, I, I think this team is going to be able to compete, um, you know, and it's not going to be one of those deals where you got to just play perfectly to have a chance. You know, I mean, there'll be a, a larger margin of error because of the, the the talent level.
1: Yeah, and it's certainly going to be interesting to see, you know, again um, you know, I, if, you, if you want, I can come over and shred your uh, scorecards for you because you're going to have to start over again next year too. Um, and, and uh, you know, I suppose that this is this, going to be another new batch on, on the floor. The good news is some of these guys have at least spent a year together, um, maybe not on the floor necessarily, but, you know, just around each other. So, personally, it should go a little little smoother than it did this year, but it's still going to be a new batch of players nonetheless. Now that you kind of had a, a, some time to reflect on on the year, spending a year with Coach Hoyberg, and uh, you know, being around these coaches, being around what what style he wants to play, the recruiting efforts from Coach Abdul Massey, and uh, obviously being around Doc and and Bobby Lutz, and being around these guys, what what, what do you take away from year one, Kent? That's going to make it easier easier for you to get up after you know two three conference wins next year to come back and call games again.
2: Well, I don't know that I have anything that anything new to say about that. I mean, I, over the year, just our perception before things started about the staff being real solid has just been, you know, uh, it's been embellished. These guys are uh, – the collection of coaching coaches on the staff is uh, is really something. Um, you know, and, and Coach Hoyberg's style, I think you've heard other conference coaches talk about how you know, um, to a man, they're all saying that this is gonna—it's gonna happen in Lincoln. And and I, you know, I think I, I don't know. It just occurred to me, you know, back in the day when when Coach Osborne was coaching football, one of the things that people would talk about is how hard it is to prepare for Nebraska football because they were so unique. And and I think that you know the the pace and space kind of offense, uh, you know, everybody interchangeable in every position save for maybe a, a guy with his back to the basket occasionally inside. Um, I, I think that is so different, um, than, you know, conventional college basketball. And so, you know, it's kind of cut, they're kind of on the cutting edge and they're unique. And, um, so, uh, and you can see him recruiting to that. Speaking of, you know, talking about the, the transfers and whatnot, um, but just the, the overall thing is, is I think they're going to be way more talented this year. I really do um, than they were last year, Not, notwithstanding um, you know a couple guys leaving.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. And again, getting to getting used to a whole bunch of new players That will certainly be interesting. Talking with Kent Pavelka, voice of Husker Hoops here on Sports Nightly. Featuring, speaking of new players, Kent, we're featuring uh, a new. I don't even know what this is called. Yeah, uh, event. Uh, this social media entertainment, I suppose, is the best way to put it. First National yeah. Bank is uh, a great partner of ours here at the Oscar Sports Network. has has promoted a piece to where people who are doing everything they can to stay sane, especially with young kids around the house, you know, encouraging people to get out and and video themselves shooting some hoops in the driveway with their own chance with some personal commentary from one kent pavelka so number one your your skills will be sharpened and number two you get to watch some uh, some potential future huskers out here sending some videos into you how excited are you about yeah. this
2: well you know michael zorg from the network got a hold of me and said do you want to do this i said sure so they uh, you know if you go to twitter you want to check out one of them um you can check out you check my twitter handle out at kent pavelka um but um yeah, you just submit a, um, you know, if you get out in the in the driveway and and do something that, that would be worthy of um, <laughs> some play-by-play or not, and uh, we'll do some, you know. So I I lent I I did lend my voice to what I'm seeing on the screen, and I think we have one of them up already, another one's coming up tonight. If people are entering, you know, you just put it up, just tweet it out, and then we'll put, you know, if we choose your your. Your video will uh, will produce it and put it on. It's kind of fun.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. At Ken Pavelka, at Husker Sports, at Husker Hoops. Go follow those accounts, and we can you can see all this. I'm just wondering what what we get, what Jake and I have to do to get you to call a game of horse between the three of us.
2: Um, Well, you know what I was thinking, Ben, is some of the stuff that we videoed before broadcasts uh, over the last couple of years, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that we want to put that stuff out for the public to see. Do you? I'd like to call my own behind the back layup shot. The
1: one that you missed 47 times? Is that the one you kept trying in the horse game with Jake and he just buried you?
2: Point is, as though the only one I saved was the one that went in.
1: Oh, yeah, that's the one, huh? You probably had to delete a bunch of data, uh, stuff on your phone to make sure you had room for all the, the video footage yeah, really. to make sure you got one on there. That's true. it's true.
2: <laughs> but it's kind of fun. Yeah, check it out.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. Again, at Husker Hoops, at Husker Sports, and, of course, at Kent Pavelka to go check those out. Brought to you by First National Bank. Should Pretty cool to, to pass the time and, of course, uh, t- to pass – to match up with a husker legend would be would be good kp called you a husker legend. It's the best compliment i've ever given you um we we appreciate you uh spending part of your uh, your corn team time with us and catching us up on on the life of kp we appreciate it
2: was i supposed to wear a mask during this i i i forget
1: uh i think if you're if you're practicing social distancing and you're at home and and, and your wife lou can handle it i think and lucky, you know, if, if all these uh, these these people that you're around and dogs every day, I think you're safe. I don't think I don't okay. think a mask is required.
2: All right, uh, well I'll carry on then. I'll put it on after we're done here.
0: We think them up. We them down. It's Top Ten Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. And tonight we thought we would kind of take a. Uh, our little stab it if we had an, an ESPNU Nebraska Day, what games would we like to see? Our top ten games to see. Lots to choose from in this category, boys. Yeah, um, hard to
1: pick. Hard to pick um, which sports. Hard to pick which games. And for me... Um, I, games that i experienced personally weighed, weighed very heavily on my list so games that i've either seen in person or as a part of emotionally uh, are on my list that probably wouldn't make some people's top
4: 50 but here we are we have an embarrassment of riches to choose from the only op- the only hard thing about it is just kind of whittling it down to 10 but i think i, I like my list uh, i thought it was a little bit more
0: balanced at first but uh you know eh, i think it's still a decent balance of, of sports And again, those are personal choices, so we may not tip on the ones that you'd like to see, but we can get you thinking about this topic. So, Do your own top ten list and and, uh, tweet it at us.
4: Sure, here you go. Tim, lead us off. All right, uh, number ten, I'm going with the obvious pick, and in fact, one that we've already played so we can pat ourselves on the back, the 1971 game of the century between Nebraska and Oklahoma. Uh, You know, it's kind of the defining game, I think, in Husker football history. It's kind of the immediate classic Huster game that people think of, uh, probably mostly because it was Nebraska, Oklahoma two um, longtime rivals, but also that Johnny Rogers punt return with the Lyle Bremser radio call, which of course you could hear you could have heard uh, on Friday if you were listening to the good old radio here on the Husker Sports Network. But um, you know, for a number of ways, obviously I was not around uh, in 1971, but it feels like I've, I've, I've grown up with that game being such an important part of, of Husker history just because it is. I mean, it's, it's such an incredible, um, incredibly important game in the history of Nebraska football, and, and it's a one that I think a lot of Husker fans um, have turned back to over the years just because it, it was what it was, the game of the century. First score of the game was that punt return by Johnny. Yeah, there you go. I, full disclosure,
1: I did not put that one on my list because I had just
0: listened to it. So that's the only <laughs> reason I left it off. But if you're going to watch it, this is going to be on ESPNU. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My number 10, I'm going baseball. I'm going May 22nd, 1999. The Huskers matched up in Oklahoma City, the championship game of the Big 12 tournament. They beat number nine, Vader, 4-3 to three to win the conference title. The first baseball title. I think this gets lost on some Husker fans. It was the first baseball title for Nebraska baseball since 1950. So it had been 49 years since Husker baseball had won a conference championship of any type. Dave Van Horn led those Huskers to that win. I would love to watch that game.
1: That game was amazing for multiple reasons. Um, You know, you think about who Nebraska had to beat to get there. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma being right there, and Oklahoma State being right there, and that Baylor team was so good. The Big Twelve was insane that year. They had so many teams ranked in the top twenty-five, even um, a bunch of um, you know a bunch of them in the top ten as well. But you know, there there are a lot of people that. Claim that Nebraska baseball is a lot like Husker football, and I've had all this tradition for years, and that's not the case. Uh, you know, really, Greg. Before this game, before that tournament in Oklahoma City, Nebraska baseball hadn't had much history at all. Uh, but this, that game, the Big Twelve Championship game, turned everything for this program. Uh, you know, talking with Jeff Lisey who came in, you think about Will Bolt who came in. That '99 team had such a massive impact on all those recruits that came in to even want to give Nebraska a shot. Um, that The Van Horn message of we're going to win a College World Series game while I'm here was a joke until after that season. And so it's arguably the most important game in Husker baseball history. And I'm really glad you had it on. It just missed my list, but I felt like we needed to talk about the importance of that game because that that game and that tournament turned everything for that program all right my number 10 uh my number 10 again this is a a, uh a match in which uh probably isn't on very many lists but having witnessed it live it was really my first national championship i've ever gotten to witness live and, uh, and and they beat Texas in the process. I've got the 2015 National Championship uh, volleyball with Nebraska beating Texas. Uh, they beat Kansas in the Final Four. And, you know, to have the Final Four in Omaha and to have that pressure on the shoulders of that team all year uh, to, to finally make it there, to beat Kansas, and then go up against – the, uh, the dreaded Texas Longhorns in a championship match. I think everybody thought, okay, here we go again, another heartbreaking loss to Texas. But the Huskers just dominated the Longhorns that night. And Michaela Fecky was the best player on the floor, and it wasn't even close. Um, you know, I love to tell the story. I was up in the media overflow in the rafters at that point of the century link, and the ball coming off her hand from – 500 feet away still sounded like a cannon blast <laughs> um so that was an extremely fun night to see the 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 joy on john cook's face and just be on the floor so you know watching the team celebrate was just a, it's something that i'll never
4: forget so i've got that uh, 2015 volleyball match the national championship my number 10. All right, my number nine uh, doesn't actually involve any team from the state of Nebraska, but the event happened in the state. Uh, 2018 College World Series Finals, Game 2 between Oregon State and Arkansas. Uh, the Razorbacks were just one out away, I believe, from their – would have been their first ever – CWS title, and then it all went wrong. OSU had the RBI single, and then I think it was a two-run shot that put them up five to two. It was kind of a dramatic collapse. You're watching a team that's seemingly in command. I mean, they're only up by one run in the in the ninth inning, but to watch that slip away, I mean, that's baseball lends itself really greatly to those dramatic moments where you're where you're watching a pitcher, um, a reliever in there trying to, to hold on to things, and you're watching that collapse. So your your heart breaks a little bit for the Razorbacks, but it's fun to see um, something that dramatic happen in the most important game that those guys will likely ever play in their lives. So
0: my yeah. number nine 2018 CDOS finals game two. Yeah, a lot of Husker fans felt awful for Dave Van Horn. That poor second baseman will never forget that pop-up that he couldn't track down in foul territory. All right, my number nine, this is my first Husker football one, and it's the 2001 game at Memorial Stadium between Oklahoma and Nebraska. It was number three, Nebraska, number two, Oklahoma, the famous throwback pass to Eric Crouch. Nebraska wins that game 20-10. to 10. Love to pop some popcorn and pop that in right now and watch that thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Might might speak to that one a little bit later on
1: my number nine I'm going hoops here I, I'm going to the 1996 NIT championship game against St. Joe's I this might be a little higher on your guys list I don't really know a ton about that team other than just you know what you can find on the internet and I would love to just sit and watch them play uh because you know the lack of history in the postseason that Nebraska basketball has to see that to see them cut down the nets and win a championship. Um, I think would be really cool, and it was a close game. I think they won by four. Uh, I would love to, to sit back and, and watch
0: the Husker Hoops team have some success in a postseason. It's a national postseason tournament. I mean, people kind of scoff at it, but if you can go win that thing, that's a really good end of your year, no doubt.
4: My number eight, I've got uh, the one that Greg already mentioned, 2001 Nebraska-Oklahoma game. Black 41 flash reverse, the name of that famous play with Crouch streaking up the sidelines. It's a great play, um, and, of course, uh, being a Middle North alum like Eric Crouch, of course, that's about all we have in common. Uh, I walked past his uh, jersey and that little plaque uh, every day. So uh, Eric Crouch is a, a definitely a special player, and, uh, and he's also a Mustang, so that's good.
0: Very good. All right, my number eight, uh, I was not at this event. Ben was. It was 2017 in Kansas City. It was not the championship volleyball match but the semi-final match with Penn State it was an epic five setter Nebraska and Penn State every time they seem to play each other in volleyball it's an instant classic that one certainly was Huskers survived 15 to 11 and you had a feeling that that winner of that match and Ben can speak more to it the winner of that match was going to win the whole thing and that's what happened two days later with Nebraska beating Florida so I didn't go the championship game Ben I went the semifinal
1: game well, great minds think alike. I have this at my number eight as well, and so you may as well speak to it now. Um, the entire match felt like the national championship. It, it just something about it. Um, you know, Penn State was so good. They had, they had such a good team with great players. And the, the funny thing that I remember about this match is the entire match flipped when two Penn State players ran into each other and the ball dropped on their side of the net for a Husker point. And you thought, okay, this might be the Huskers' night. And um, sitting there next to Lauren and JB, and just getting to experience that—you uh, know, it, honestly it Trump the 2015 national championship, like I honestly had tears in my eyes when that thing went final. And and I witnessed, you know, two two nights later, them winning the national championship. But the national championship happened that night. It, it was the, the one of the most epic sporting events I've ever watched in person. Uh, top three without question but that semi-final match is I remember that match more than I remember the title match and that was uh I, I was really really lucky to be, to be able to watch that and, and, then, and then the Husker fans were insane that night that place was so <laughs> loud it, it, you had to remind yourself that you were in Kansas City because it felt like you were you know just just right here in Lincoln but that, that that was an absolutely amazing amazing
4: come from behind effort from the Huskers that night my number seven uh one that You could argue it could be a little bit higher up on the list, but I only have it right here just because it – unfortunately didn't amount to much. Uh, i got no sit Sunday. Nebraska basketball taking down the Wisconsin Badgers in 2014. The game that saw the Huskers punch their ticket to the dance uh, for the first time since 1998. Nebraska beat Wisconsin 77-68. Siobhan Shields and Terray and both scored 26 points apiece. Not bad. Not bad at all. In fact, I think Wisconsin were basically locks to be a number one seed. So That's kind of one of the best wins um, certainly in my lifetime that Nebraska basketball has ever had. Unfortunately, it didn't amount to that first tourney win, which Nebraska's still chasing, but hey, uh, we'll take whatever moment we can get at this point.
0: Probably the loudest that building has ever been. My number seven, I'm going back to football, and this is a game that I not only would like to watch, but I would like to just transport myself and put myself in the stands, and that was Nebraska's win at Notre Dame in 2000, the overtime win of 27-24, to 24, where Nebraska just took over Notre Dame Stadium. I'd like to see it again, but I'd like to even watch it in person. I wish I could have been there for that one. That was a special time, and I know a lot of Husker fans still rave about that trip to South Bend in 2000.
1: Greg, I had that one on my list, and I crossed it off for one that I put in later. So that was literally my 11th spot, so I'm glad you had it on there. Uh, But, Tim, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I've got my number seven as No Sit Sunday. Again, probably not on a lot of people's lists, but – uh, the start to that game was absolutely insane. Teran gets that – I think that we were up 7 or 8, like 11 to 3 or 10 to 3 or something. Taran gets the rebound, the outlet, and literally pulls up on a transition – 27 footer and you're going what are you any other time you're going what are you doing but that, not, that <laughs> night it didn't matter And the, once he splashed that thing and Wisconsin called time out and they started playing the DMX song I really thought the roof was going to come off that place and that, that was <laughs> again watching the, the players storm the floor and Greg I know you were part of that selection show at, at PBA uh, that doesn't happen without that win so um, even just personally get, again getting to experience that court side was just amazing
4: my number six, Ben, you had a 2015 NCAA Volleyball Championship seeing the Huskers take down Texas and Omaha. I was not there, unfortunately, but I do remember I actually was uh, leaving here. I think I had but a, a, just got done working in basketball games, so I had the radio on the whole time, the drive back to Omaha. And so John, John Baylor took me there. I was at the, the – um, <laughs> I, was, I was there whether I liked it or not, but no, it, was a, it was a good memory listening to the final
0: moments of that game in Nebraska winning a national championship. Very good. My six was mentioned earlier by Ben, and that's the NIT championship. That Husker 95-96 team was ticketed for the NCAA tournament, and then they hit the skids in February. I think they lost six straight in February. Still kind of got it enough together to get in the NIT, and then they showed what they were made of. They were made of a team that could have competed at a very high level at the national scene by winning that NIT. And so you hang a national championship postseason banner. That's got to make a list. It's on mine at six. Awesome. All right, my number six,
1: the last conference championship for Nebraska football, 1999 against the Texas Longhorns, a 22-6 victory for the Huskers. And it's hard to believe. that You know, I remember walking into practice um, every day, seeing that that last banner, 99, hung up there. And that's been the chatter every time Nebraska's either been close or participated in a conference championship since that it's been that long. I'd love to get that number erased here soon. But – um, and again, Nebraska and Texas was as epic as it got on the on the football field, and the Husker defense was just dominant that day and en route to a 16-point victory. So I've got the Huskers' Big 12
4: championship at 99 against the Longhorns, my number six. Uh, my number five doesn't involve the Huskers, but I had to put it on here. The final College World Series game at Rosenblatt. That would have been uh, late June of 2010. South Carolina beating UCLA in extra innings on a Whit Merrifield Walk-off RBI single. Definitely Royals fans will be familiar with that name. Um, definitely a cool moment, although it didn't involve Nebraska. I think it deserved to be on this list. Miss Rosenblatt
0: a I'd, lot. Sure do. A lot of people do. All right, my number five, I'm going back to football, and I'm going back to 1977. The fourth-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide come to Memorial Stadium. Tom Osborne turns it back. The Huskers weren't even ranked going into that game, but they beat – Bear Bryant in the Crimson Tide 31-24. Boy, I'd love to sit back and watch that thing happen too. That was one of the first ones
1: that came to mind. Unfortunately, didn't make my list, but yeah, watching uh, watching them play the Bear Bryant on the same sideline as T.O., that that gets my juices flowing. My number 5 again. This game didn't probably itself doesn't hold a lot of weight, but it was really the last time I thought Nebraska was a national Caliber team, a top five type team, and that was that Thursday night game in two thousand ten against Kansas State in Manhattan. When we all left that game and finished that night, thinking we had a Heisman candidate, this kid's going to be in New York. There is no stopping this offense. Plus, Nebraska's defense. This team, this team's going to be in a BCS bowl. That's what we all felt that night. With Martinez just ran all over. The K State Wildcats finished with 241 yards on the ground with four scores and completed five of seven passes for a touchdown as well. But I, the, the lasting image I have of that game is just Taylor running by those K State safeties that just, Taylor didn't even look like he was moving that fast. <laughs> and then you saw, and then you just looked over and saw how slow the K State guys are running compared to him. And that's the best, that day was the best day I felt about Husker football maybe since. That, that team, that, that yeah.
4: performance that night was unbelievable. My number four, can't remember if it's already been mentioned or not, but I got the 06 Volleyball National Championship between Nebraska and Stanford in Omaha. Uh, It was a four-setter. This was the dream like a champion uh, game that uh, we explored in in one of our podcasts. If you guys want to take a listen to that, Uh, good stuff. A great story behind that match and definitely a very, very significant one in the history of the Nebraska volleyball program, John Cook and everyone involved.
0: So good stuff, the 06 Volleyball National Championship. Sure was. I'm going volleyball my 4-2, but I'm going back a decade before that. I'm going to the first ever national title won by the Huskers, coached by Coach Pettit, 1995. Nebraska beats Texas 3-1. This is before rally scoring, so this was up to 15 points when you're set, but you can only score when you serve. Huskers take care of the Longhorns to win their first ever national title. We've had a couple of them since, but that was the first one. I'd like to see that. Yeah, man, to watch watch someone other than John Cook win a national championship yeah. would
1: be kind of fun, too. Uh, all right, my number four, this is probably higher on your list, but I've got some of the cliche ones here coming up. My number four, I got the 94 Orange Bowl with the Miami Hurricanes, some of the most iconic plays you've ever seen in Husker football come from this game, watching that Miami D-line. Uh, you know, just the, the speech at halftime given by T.O. about they're going to do something stupid. We can't retaliate. Of course, it all comes to fruition. And uh, nobody thought that Nebraska could go down to Miami's home field and win a national championship. That's exactly what they did. Goosebumps.
4: My number three, I have the legend of Ron Kellogg III and his Hail Mary to Jordan Westercamp. That was Nebraska Northwestern in 2013. Yeah, maybe in the grand scheme of things, this might not have been the most monumental game in Nebraska football history, but hey, that was a fun, fun game to watch, and that play was so improbable. I mean, I think I was already uh, walking out of my friend's house uh, watching that game thinking it was over, but uh, no, sir, I was wrong. Uh, Ron Kellogg III will forever be uh, a household name among Husker fans for that uh, feat he achieved in 2013.
1: Greg, what do you what do you remember right that before one.
4: that right before that play? I think there was a timeout
1: called. Honestly, the thing I remember is how amazing of a play Amir had to get that first down yeah. to even get him there, right. but what were you thinking right before? I mean, like right when we snapped the when we're breaking the huddle and walking up there, are you, are you thinking there's even a chance that you're about to call a Hail Mary victory?
0: Well, you knew where you knew what was going to happen. You knew it was going to be thrown toward the goal line and the way our booth is, we're kind of at the south end of the stadium, so we knew it was going to be kind of down toward us. It was, We had a great view of the whole thing right in front of us. And so, yeah, you you anticipate, you knew it was going to be a Hail Mary pass, so you knew that's where the ball was going. You just got kind of to hope you, you picked out the right guy if they got caught and I did, so that was a fun, fun moment, but you're right. The Amir play is what set that whole thing up. His ability to stretch and get that first down, kept that drive alive, and that's the one that I'm sure scalds Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern Mm. that they didn't stop that. I'm going football in, in my number three, but I'm going way, way back. I'm going back to the first national championship game for the Big Red. The 1971 Orange Bowl finishing off the 1970 season, the 17-12 win over LSU. I think we, we still have a picture yeah. in our office of Jerry Tagge reaching the ball over the goal line for Nebraska's first national championship. I'd love to re- be able to watch that game back. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Good
1: one. Uh, my number 3 has been mentioned by both of you and again the reason why it's so high on my list is because I got to watch it and it's a, and it's a play that we all practice in the backyard after I've got the 2001 Nebraska game with Oklahoma. Uh, some of the, you know being able old enough to be able to watch the game and appreciate the rivalry. I know it wasn't what it was in the 70s or even in the early 90s but
4: you know to see the Huskers beat OU on their home field in 01 was was a great memory. My number two, I've got the 96 Fiesta Bowl, Nebraska stomping on Florida, 62 to 24, Tommy Frazier running everywhere. Uh, I think I can speak for most Husker fans and say they'd probably get a kick out of watching that again.
0: Oh, no. No doubt. How many tackles did one man break? Can one mm-hmm. man break was Jim Nance's call on that. My number two, I'm going to the Diamond. Ben's got his baseball jersey on tonight. I'm going to Nebraska's College World Series win in 2005. They beat Arizona State up at Rosenblatt 5-3. to three, Still the only College World Series win in school history. Jabba Chamberlain started that. Uh, Brad Jensen finished it. Alex Gordon and Joseph Mcis were big parts of that game, Curtis Ledbetter had an RBI single. Love to go back and watch that thing from start to finish.
1: That's my number two as well. I was on I was in left field, uh, about halfway between the third base bag and the foul pole. I was with uh, a couple of buddies from high school that didn't really love baseball as much as I did, and I was with one of our buddies' dads, and we got in the van afterwards, and I'm literally crying, and everyone's looking at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) Um, But I was a huge Husker baseball fan back then, and to finally – I mean, to to finally – lost so many – heartbreakers in the College World Series before that one uh, in the early 2000s uh, to finally get one and to, to start the tournament too yeah. uh, was such an awesome feeling and then of course Jeff Larish had to happen but um, on that night the 5-3 winner was was a night I'll always remember
4: my number one I got the 95 Orange Bowl Huskers taking on the Hurricanes 24 to 17 Brooke Behringer Corey Schlesinger uh, tonight that will be fondly remembered by Nebraska fans
0: no doubt. My number one, Tim had it earlier. I've got the game of the century here, the 35-31 win in 1971 over Oklahoma. It's called the game of the century for so, for a certain reason, and that's why I, I could sit back and watch that over and over and over again.
1: Mm-hmm. And my number one is the 95 championship, the 96 Fiesta Bowl with Florida. Uh, we recorded it on VHS, and I watched that thing so many times it started to get blurry um growing up um you know just rewinding it and fast forwarding it and rewinding and fast forwarding it uh, my favorite husker memory watching that watching that game watching um steve spurrier's look dumbfounded look and watching danny warfel just take an absolute beating that night um the most dominant college football team ever in
0: my opinion very good we all had three we three had three different number ones yeah good very Love good it. oh that was fun that was fun going down memory lane with that when we come back we'll talk to a member the newest member of the nebraska hall of fame bowler amanda burcoin she's going to join us next greg sharp back with you here on sports nightly on the husker sports network we've been telling you throughout the night on our sports ticker that nebraska added to their sports hall of fame today with the announcement of four-time all-american bowler Amanda Burgoyne joining the class of 2020, and she joins us now on our Woodhouse Auto Family Sports Nightly Hotline. Amanda, congratulations. What What does this mean? What's this day been like for you?
3: It's been an amazing day. I'm truly honored, and I'm so happy to be with you tonight. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, it's, you, it's so good to have you on with us. Your timing to go to college was pretty good, wasn't it? Because that's right when the NCAA launched bowling as, a, as an official sport.
3: It was, yes, definitely. Yep, I came on as a freshman, and, yeah, definitely it was, it was great timing.
0: Tell me how a young gal from Minnesota ends up in Nebraska. Take me through that process. What was that like being recruited and then leaving home and coming to Nebraska? Take me through all that.
3: Well, basically, what I found out, I was actually the number one um, high school recruit, so I was very fortunate, so I was very lucky. Um, I um, was actually, my junior year of high school, um, I had to make a choice, but I found out that um, bowling was becoming an NCAA sport, so that basically was a a pretty easy choice for me. And I found out that Nebraska was a going to be an, uh, uh, an, going to be a NCAA uh, team. So, and I I knew that um, it definitely was going to be close, close to home. And then Nebraska was always a, um, one of the number one teams in the country. So when, then once I came to uh, visit, it was, it was basically a no-brainer. Um, the athletic department is, is just truly amazing with the tutors and then just with the football team and then how everybody just treats um, everyone. I mean, once I visited, I'm like, yep, this is definitely where I wanted to be. So this is how I basically decided. I mean, yep, this is where I wanted to go to school. So that's and- how I Oh, i can get
0: here that's fantastic you were part of those 04 and 05 national championship teams and you alluded to the the overall student athlete experience was it a good one for you and you, you kind of alluded to the tutors and the great academic support nebraska has do you were there some people that helped you along the line do you and how close were you with some of the teammates that you had those those years in lincoln
3: i was very very close um i um i i i worked a lot very close with the athletic department i was i worked very closely with uh, katie Jewell. um she was yeah. uh, my- athletic advisor i, I and very, i thank her thank her every day um she she helped me tremendously um and my my teammates um adrian miller carla aang jamie martin lindsay baker and of course shannon bluehoski i mean they they have been tremendous teammates and um they, I have so many memories with them, and I, I carry, I'll carry them with me every day. And and then receiving this honor, I mean that this really is just icing on the cake for me. I mean, and then with my coaches, Bill Straub and Paul Klemper, I mean, I'm, I'm just, i just today, today getting this honor. I mean, yeah, I'm just today's just been an amazing day.
0: <laughs> how did, how did you find out that you were put in the Hall of Fame? Take me through that story.
3: Well, I, I received a call from Coach Klempa. I mean, it just, it can't, it, I, I actually, I, I received an email um, saying that um, that Coach Klempa wanted just to have a, a personal call. I thought maybe it was just to catch up and um, basically, as like an alumni, I see how things are going or maybe um, to get maybe a few quotes or something for, for maybe social media or something. I was not expecting this at all. So when he told me that I was being put in the hall of fame, I'm like, wow, really? And then seeing him standing there in the athletic hall of fame, I was like, are you serious? Really? <laughs> so I was totally scared with that. So when I, when he told me that I was like, this, this really made my year. So I. I mean I, I thought I was gonna cry but I was trying to hold back hold back <laughs> the tears until until I, I got off the phone. But yes, when I got off the phone phone I did I did start crying and um, but yes, this this is a truly an amazing honor.
0: Again, we're visiting with the newest member of the Nebraska Hall of Fame for 2020, and that is four-time All-American boulder Amanda Burgoyne, no longer just Amanda Burgoyne. Tell us, uh, give us an update on your person. Are you Where are you now? I guess you're married. Give us just kind of the rundown of that.
3: I am married. I'm I am currently, I am living in Apple Valley, Minnesota. I am married. I'm a husband- um, this is Eric Vermilia. Um, I have a son. Um, his name is PJ. Um, short for Patrick Jeffrey. Um, he's seven years old. Um, I, um, I, I, yeah. I'm, I, everything is going growing good. I have a. I'm working. I have a full-time job. I work for Prime Therapeutics in Egan, Minnesota. So I am. I am back here in Minnesota where I have grown up. Um, so, yeah, things are going great. I'm, I'm bowling still. I'm, I, I'm still trying. I'm bowling um, part-time on the professional bowling tour. Um, so, yeah, things are going good.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for giving us some time. Congratulations again. Can't wait to have you come back to Lincoln for the ceremony in the fall. Let's hope we get this nasty virus behind us so everybody can travel safely. But enjoy the day. It's well-deserved.
3: All right, thank you so much for having me. I look forward to being back there in the fall and looking forward to the Hall of Fame ceremonies.
0: Very good. Amanda Burgoyne, who is now the newest member of Nebraska Sports Hall of Fame, four-time All-American boulder for the Cornhuskers.